Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. I I was uh, talking to my son yesterday, and you know, I just sit there and think about all the wonderful things that the Lord still has given his church, his bride. You know, the fact that we're sitting here today, even outside, is this church is infinitely better than almost all of the churches that I've ever attended anywhere in South, Central, and Latin America. I mean, I've met underneath some crazy conditions. We, we have sound systems, and you have cell phones with PowerPoint notes and all kinds of things. So let's remember to focus on what we do have and not what we can't do. Amen? Amen. Amen. We have to remember that. If we don't, it, I'm telling you, God is going to further chasten the church if we don't start appreciating what we do have instead of whining about what we don't have. I, I believe that with all my heart. I think the church has an... Amen. I think the church has an opportunity right now to express exactly who we are to our king by saying, Lord, we love you. We just sang it. Amen? That's the truth of the church. That's the good news of the gospel is that God first loved us, and because of that, we can love him back. We are not hindered from loving the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself. We're finding new ways to do that. One day we're going to get back to the things... Uh, that we really enjoy. We're going to get back to the fullness of the ministry, I believe. Uh, And to that end, we're going to pray in a a moment for some of the good things that are going right now uh, in the medical world. And so would you join me and let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. Father, we want to pray right now for these new vaccines that are already in the third stage of clinical trial. Lord, that's the final stage. And so we pray for the doctors and the scientists, the technicians, Uh, Lord, those that are responsible for administering the tests, and we pray that uh, this latest vaccine from Moderna, which is a a wonderful opportunity to put an end to this coronavirus, Lord, we pray that you would give great favor. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would make it successful and that you would bring it about sooner rather than later. Lord, that is our heart. We want to get back to doing church as we know best to do it. Uh, And we pray for those that are on the front lines, the doctors, nurses, hospital staffs, the orderlies, those that are working so hard to to cure and to heal and to keep people safe. We pray that you protect them. We pray for our government. We pray for our leaders. Lord, we may not agree with all that they're doing. We may not agree with every decision, but we believe you have anointed and appointed them uh, through the system of government that we have. And so we ask uh, that you would give them great wisdom discernment and knowledge, uh, even though they may not all of them know you, Lord, we pray that you would grant from heaven your wisdom to those that are leading us through this difficult time. As we turn our attention now to the reason that we've come to your word, we pray that your word would be alive to us. Speak to us, King of heaven. Your, Your children want to listen as you speak, and so bless us as we study your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 10, if you'd turn there. Luke 10, 
And unlike last week, which was a long section of Scripture, today we have exactly the opposite, a short section of Scripture, but it's a really powerful one. And it's the story of Pastor Jeff. <laughs> Verses 38 to 42, a familiar story to many of you. If you've walked with the Lord for a while, been in church for a while, you've probably heard this passage taught on at least once or twice. But it's the story of Mary and Martha. And very often, these two ladies are pitted one against the other. It's as if you need to be only a Mary and never a Martha. Very often, when you look at this passage, people will say, well, we we just all need to sit at the feet of Jesus. And while that is absolutely accurate, totally true on one side, it's absolutely not true on the other side of that same coin. We need... Mary's for sure, and Mary's need to be the preeminent place that we all go to. We need to have devotion before we can have duty, but we also need people to really work hard for the king and for the kingdom. You don't have to be one or the other. And so to that end, sometimes maybe in your life, you may find that you've been a little too busy to sit at the feet of Jesus. Anybody had that in your, in your life? I have. Matter of fact, I'll tell you that Pastor Jeff has spent a large percentage of his time, even in ministry, as heavily weighted to the Martha side. I, I, I'm a Martha Maximus. I'm like, if it were a Latin title, that's what I would be. I'm Martha Maximus. I, I am like the, the, the biggest... Uh, Martha fan a lot of times because I'm a doer. I'm a type A personality. I have, that, I have that drive that just says I don't know what I can't do until I can't do it. That's the way God wired me and it's a beautiful thing. It allows me to accomplish a lot of things but can I tell you some of those things I've accomplished completely in my flesh. Totally without even talking to the Lord about it. I I have had times in my life where I've been so busy serving that I forgot to worship. I've been so busy doing that I forgot to be devoted. And I pray that this passage will minister to you. And as we see it unfold, we see, of course, the value of having great friends. Now, I want to draw your attention to this because sometimes it's your friends that point this out to you. It may not be your family. They've learned to live with you exactly the way you are, and they're okay with it. They've just learned a little workaround. In the business world, we call things that we see a problem, we can't quite fix it, we we discover a workaround. We learn to go around the problem. We don't actually solve it, we go around it. Here's our problem. You're still stuck with the problem. You're still stuck with you. And so whatever your disposition is, we have people that naturally gravitate towards being like Mary and people who naturally gravitate towards being like Martha and everything in between, the good news is there's room in the church for both. And really, the issue is, can you balance those two things? And will you always weight them towards being a worshiper? Verse 38, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. Now we're told in Matthew's gospel it's Bethany. 
they end up in this little hamlet, this, this tiny village on the eastern side, the far eastern side of the Mount of Olives, very near Jerusalem, about a mile and a half away. There's a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. I want you to notice something. Please circle that word welcomed. She, she wanted Jesus to be there. She had a desire to be used of the Lord. She was not ill-motivated. She was a friend. She was someone who desired to welcome Jesus. Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I want you to notice something. There's no ordinal numbers here. There's no directive that one was right and one was wrong. There isn't anything in the passage that tells us that Jesus was mad instantaneously at Martha. Nor is there any indication that he's super pleased with Mary. He's at a friend's house. And he's about to be ministered to. But Martha was distracted. Circle that word. Martha was distracted. She wasn't completely ill-motivated. She she wasn't just mean-spirited and nasty. She wasn't just all aggro. She, She wasn't someone that the Lord despised. She she didn't have a major problem. Her problem is exactly what your problem is and what my problem is. Very often, I'm distracted. Pretty easy to get distracted by coronavirus, isn't it? Anybody find it easy to get distracted by politics? Oh, in Jesus' name, deliver us from that. How about family matters? Anybody ever get distracted by those? You can raise your hands if you want. How about your marriage relationship if you're married? You been distracted by that ever? You got kids? Ever been distracted by your kids? How about school? How about your job? There's a lot of distractions in the world, isn't there? Jesus doesn't tell us exactly how she got distracted, But we know the result of the distraction. Can you look at this with me? Here's the result of the distraction. With much serving. Does anybody think serving the king is bad? Does anybody think that serving other people is bad? I don't. The Bible certainly doesn't say it. In fact, Jesus himself said... In Mark chapter 10, verses 44 and 45, he who desires among you to be the greatest must be the servant of all. Amen? So serving's not the issue. The issue's the distractions. The things that keep us from serving with a right heart and a right attitude. She was distracted with much serving. You might want to put a T-O-O in front of the much, in your margin. Too much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, and here comes the, the reason we know she was a little bit off. 
do you not care that my sister left me and I'm here to serve alone? Now, I don't know how she said that, but it kind of sounds a little whiny to me. I'm over here doing all the hard stuff. Okay, for those of us who are prone to be Martha's, do you ever whine about what other people are not doing because you're doing so much? And then you turn around and realize that you're the one that chose to do so much? You get what I'm saying? It's, like, it's not the serving. It's not that there's much to do. It's the attitude that you have when you do it. And so here's what happens. Because you see someone else sitting at the feet of Jesus, you look at what you're doing, you're going, well, they just get to do a Bible study with Jesus. Nobody told you you couldn't do a Bible study with Jesus. You chose to not do the Bible study with Jesus. You chose to do more serving. You sat there in the stuff that you're doing, and you're doing it. And then you get upset with other people because they're sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, the exact opposite of that is true as well, and we'll get to that in a bit. Lord, therefore, get on her case. Tell her to help me. Now, I want you to notice how Jesus responded. I just kind of put my own spin on this, so please forgive me that little liberty. But Jesus answered and said to her, and notice the tenderness, the gentleness, the meekness, the control of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Martha, Martha. Repeating someone's name was a term of endearment. It was a way for you to express to them that you were concerned, that you cared. You weren't yelling at them. It's like, Jeff, Jeff, come on. Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're troubled about many things. Please underline that phrase, many things. We're not actually told what the many things are. But there were many things. We're not even told it was about the serving. We're told it was many things. And so that's why I ask you that question. You ever been concerned about your kids? You ever been concerned about your job? You ever been concerned about the virus? You've been concerned about your health? Have you been concerned? Are you carrying around worries that have caused you then to react in such a way you just start doing stuff to bury your concerns. This is admission time. You see, that's what I used to do. I would be concerned about something. I'd be worried about something. And rather than taking it to the Lord, I would just simply do something to stay busy. Now, I don't know if I'm speaking to any of you today, but I'm telling you, in our society, this may be one of the most grave dangers we face is responding to internal things by just simply being busier. And not dealing with the actual root of the problem. Not doing what we need to do, which is to take some time to sit at the feet of Jesus. You're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken from her. You see, I'm prone to be like Mary. 
I'm prone to not rest. And as the, the meat here on the backside of the, the Mount of Olives, this place where Jesus often went to pray, this place where we find the Garden of Gethsemane, this place where ultimately Jesus will be arrested, this place that we will find Jesus at prayer, this place that was very important to Jesus, you can kind of see how the enemy would try and infiltrate that quiet space. Can I tell you the enemy's going to try and infiltrate your quiet space? The enemy's going to try and get into where you meet with Jesus. The enemy's going to try and convince you that you need to work your way to heaven. The grace, albeit free, you got to keep it by working for it. I've talked to so many Christians who actually believe they're saved by grace through faith, but they believe that they're kept by works. No, you're kept by grace as well. You're sanctified by grace. You're going to be carried home by the grace of God. And it's never going to be about what you do for the king. It's going to be, are you with the king? Do you actually know him? Are you really loving him? Are you taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus. This is the reason that Jesus, as we'll see when we get to chapter 13, as he, as he goes over the hill, as he marches down towards the Garden of Gethsemane, as he stops and he, he cries out over Jerusalem, he says, you who kill the prophets, I want to gather you to me. I want you to sit with me. I want you to spend time with me. But you're all busy doing religious things. You wouldn't come to me. You wouldn't come sit at the feet of Jesus. And why is this important for us? Because in the situation that we're in right now, it's really easy to no longer sit at the feet of Jesus. It's easy to get caught up in all the stuff that's going on in our lives. I have heard conversations in the church that I'm like, Lord, how could that be happening here? People that I know love one another, care for one another, going at it. It's like, oh, you know, well, you know, Trump would do this, or Nancy Pelosi would do that, or you know, the Republicans, the Democrats would do, this, you know, the Governor Newsom, and blah, 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 you, know, you, you sit there and you listen to him. It's like you're concerned with many things. And they're not helping. They're not drawing you to Jesus. They're actually keeping you from Jesus. They're solving nothing. And Jesus is saying, look, I'd like to sit with you. I'd like to speak into your life, but you're so busy with these other things that you don't want to sit with me. You don't want to spend time with me. You, you see, in this sense, if you were to wander down the Mount of Olives and head over to the Temple Mount, there's all kinds of stuff going on there. You, you would have heard all of the busyness of the Temple Mount from the Mount of Olives, which is a half a mile away as a crow flies. But, but as you're listening, Jesus is coming for a little bit of rest. 
He's coming to share a meal. And so here, Martha has a wonderful gift of service, but it's polluted with the wrong spirit in how it's used. Martha has this incredible gift of hospitality, but she's inhospitable in the way she uses it. That is a failure to sit at the feet of Jesus. It's not a failure that you have the gifts. It's not a failure on my part that God's given me a a fairly serious skill set. There's a lot of things that I can do, and I can do a lot of them well. But I can tell you, a lot of times, I've done those things not to the glory of the Lord. I've done those things to the glory of Jeff. I've done those things for the approval of man. I've attempted to win friends and influence people by doing stuff for them. And then when they don't appreciate it the way I think they should, all of a sudden, well, why don't they just go do it themselves? I know none of you would do that. But your pastor, being a sinner who's saved by grace, absolutely is telling you, I've had that in my own life. So, like, Lord, how come they're not doing what I'm doing? Well, Jeff, because you're not supposed to be doing it either, but you're too dumb to know that. Oh, the Lord wouldn't talk to me that way, but he does remind me. It's like, you started this? That's kind of where Martha's at right now. In a very kind and wonderful way, Martha's being told, it's like, look, it's not the problem of you doing wonderful things. It's you haven't taken the time to sit at my feet and love me first and worship me first. You're trying to win my affection by doing stuff for me. Can I tell you, it's not an either-or proposition. Martha had chosen to serve, that's clear. And Mary had chosen to sit, that's also clear. There's nothing in this passage that says one was right and one was wrong. There was a wrong attitude that existed. It wasn't that the service was wrong, it was the attitude in the serving that was wrong. Look, let let me be really clear. The Lord needs, wants, loves, even anoints people who are kind of dreamers. That that just have all kinds of crazy ideas. They're artists. They're people that when you... Look, let me be blunt again, clear again. I don't get the introspective person who wants to contemplate their navel. I don't get it, but I can tell you this, I truly appreciate the produce of their lives, the art, the music, those types of things. You see, I'm kind of a, I'm an okay musician, but I'm really methodical, I, I don't have the heart aspect of it, I just know, well, that's a G string. I'm not like these beautiful ladies that we're up here leading you in worship where it comes out of their soul. For me, it comes out of, well, it's like it's a G over A. Mm. No, that's not right. You know, I think through it. Yes, because it's not spirit-led in me. I wouldn't be in the spirit in that moment. I would be sitting there trying to think. It's like, well, I hope nobody hears that flat note. <laughs> that's the way my brain works. So you know what? I'm really good at some things. Like taking disasters and going, there's a way through this. 
I can see those things. But sometimes in the middle of all the planning, I'm like, mm, yeah, it's probably not you, Lord. It's not either. Peter was a doer. John was a dreamer. We need both. We need people who are pragmatic, and we need people who are prayerful. And prayerfully, those of us who are prone one way or the other will learn not only to appreciate the other side, but attempt to be a little more like them. Because I believe that's what this passage is about. It's not either or. It's us remembering what's most important, and that is sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's how your service gets sanctified, folks. It's sitting at the feet of Jesus. In that sense, there's a place in the kingdom of God for everybody. But worship should be at the heart of all that we do. You know, people sometimes will ask, well, how come your services always have music at the beginning? Because we want to first worship the king that we're going to hear from. We want to praise his name so that he knows that we know who he is. What he's like. They're not the songs before the message. They're us inclining our ears toward heaven, our hearts towards heaven, our voices towards heaven. They are us saying, Lord, I'm sitting at your feet. I want to hear from you. That's what worship is. It actually comes from a couple of words that that in the Hebrew shakah and in the Greek proskoneo mean the same thing. It means to bow oneself down. It's like, Lord, I'm here, you're there, I worship you. Because we're all going to worship something, but like Martha, you might start worshiping your problems, your concerns, those things that rightly you should have some thoughts about. Look, I... I am in no way, shape, or form, neither does the Bible say so, that we should just all walk around in some holy state of, well, I don't care. It's not that. You're not supposed to be ignorantly walking around going, well, I don't care. That's no, not that at all. But when you put God at the top of the equation and you are looking up, you see those problems exactly where they are. They're beneath him. He is more than able, and we are more than conquerors. So when I stop to worship, then my works take their proper place. That's why there's a place for all of us. We can serve God, but I have to also listen to God. And in that sense, I don't want to just get duties done. I don't want to just you know, figure out some way to accomplish a bunch of stuff. And it's a real simple difference. And again, you can see these things in the slides. You can look at them later. If you're looking at them on your phone, this, it, it's a simple difference. It's a difference between being for and with Jesus. It's that simple. It's the difference of being for or occupied with. You see, most people, when you look at Jesus, going, yeah, I'm for that. I'm for peace. I, I, I'm for heaven. 
I'm for righteousness. I'm for all these things that Jesus teaches. I mean, anybody that tells you they don't like Jesus has kind of got, there's some serious things that need to happen in their mind. Anybody that tells you they're not for what Jesus was for, is not, they're just not simply thinking correctly. But there is a difference between being occupied for Jesus, in other words, doing something with the things you know about him, and being occupied with Jesus. Because the being occupied with Jesus requires faith. It requires trust. It requires death to self. It requires you picking up your cross. It requires you submitting yourself unto him. It requires him being Lord of your life, not just Savior of your soul. You understand? There is a huge difference between occupation for Jesus. That would be a religious job, amen? You can be occupied for Jesus and not be occupied with Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? I can hire people to do religious work. It will be good work. It will have a purpose. But that person does not need to even be saved to work for Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying? You see, somebody can be in the ministry and not even be saved. They could be occupied for Jesus and not have anything to do with Jesus. You see, Martha was on the edge of being occupied for Jesus but not actually being with Jesus. She was so far bent towards the doing that she forgot about the devotion. She wasn't walking in the Spirit. would be a way for us to understand it now that we have the completed revelation of the Word of God. She was not in the Spirit. She was in the flesh. Amen? What was Mary doing that was different? She was feeding on the Word of God. She was worshiping the King of Kings. She was engaged in no doubt a prayer life. She was doing exactly what Jesus said to Satan himself. How did Jesus, when he was tempted in Matthew 4, what did Jesus fight back with? Those of you that know it, say it. Scripture, the Word of God, amen? So here comes the devil, and the devil's attacking Jesus, and Jesus says to the devil, man shall not live by cooking alone Mary. <laughs> you get it? You see it? You understand it? Not by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And of course, Jesus being the word, when he spoke, the word was being spoken. Amen? That's the difference. For or with. You can be for Jesus and not with Jesus. So important to our walks to get this. That's why Jeremiah said, Your words, O God, were found and I ate them. They became joy to me and the delight of my heart. The psalmist David, How sweet are your words, O Lord, to my taste. You see, you can be occupied for 
and not even be with Jesus. You see, Martha just needed a paradigm shift. She wasn't totally wrong. She just needed to get to the devotion part. Being occupied with Jesus. So that what she was doing had some purpose and meaning. This was the difference. This was the thing that mattered. And so I ask you a question. Have you been too busy doing things for Jesus? That you haven't been spending time with Jesus? Have you been too occupied doing things for Jesus? And I want to give you just three things that you can lay hold of with that regard. And they will help you determine what you need to do. And they're all P's, priorities, perspective, and then your performance. If you have the right priority about being with Jesus, then your perspective will be his divine viewpoint, thereby your performance will be in the spirit as opposed to in the flesh. Do you understand those three things? You see, if I have the right priority, that is going to shift my perspective. If my perspective is shift, then my performance will be for the king. But if I don't get that process right, if I put performance at the top, that's what Martha did. Martha says, I'm going to do it. Notice what happened to her perspective. Totally wrong. What happened to her priority? Totally wrong. If you move performance into the Martha mode, then you're not going to have what Mary had. Mary had the order right. She had the right priority. Jesus first. The Lord first. His word first. Prayer first. Devotion first. That's the right priority. And then everything else falls into place. But you have to get the priorities right. You see, unless I meet with Jesus personally myself, unless I meet with him privately, unless I meet with him intimately, unless I study his word, pretty soon I end up just like Martha. Now, I hate to admit this to you, and I'm sure that there are many of you that can identify with this, any of you ever turned Bible reading into a job? I have. I have. I've gone through multiple iterations of the one-year Bible. And you start reading, you get like into the book of Numbers, and you're like, this isn't from God. I don't even know why this is in the Bible. <laughs> or you start reading through the Levitical law, and I don't really care who died for doing what to a cow. And pretty soon you're like, it's like, I'm not doing this anymore. And then you start feeling guilty. Well, it's God's word. I got to read. I'm going to read. So you just start reading more and you get more angry. You're like, okay, God, I'm going to meet with you right now. You better speak to me because I'm taking an hour right now to read. You know what I'm saying, right? Is there anything happening in the spirit in that moment? Not a bit. God's going, what are you doing? 
It's like, that's not going to benefit you. Why? Because your priority's wrong. You're doing it because you got to stay on track with your one-year reading plan. <laughs> Can I tell you I've gotten hung up on one verse before? Now imagine you're trying to read through the entire Bible in a year. And by the way, I'm for reading through the entire Bible in a year. But sometimes you need to stop and meditate on that one half of a verse because your whole life just got turned upside down by that one half of one verse. Don't turn it into a job. Don't just be for Jesus, be with Jesus. I want you to notice a few things as we wrap this up quickly. Martha is the central person in this text. It's not Mary. You know why? Because we're more prone to be like Martha. Mary had it right. Mary's used as kind of almost a backstop in this case. It's like, because we're all doing the Martha thing. I don't believe that Martha was jealous of, of Mary spending time with Jesus. She was angry because Mary wasn't helping her. In other words, she was jealous. It's like, I'm over here working really hard, and Mary's over there just enjoying Jesus. Man, don't ever do that. When you see somebody enjoying Jesus, figure out why they're enjoying Jesus so much. Amen? Figure that out. Don't be like Martha was. I want to show you something here, and you're not going to like this. Martha doesn't see her own faults. Martha doesn't see her own faults. She thinks the problem's Mary. And the problem's Martha. The problem's Martha. Can I tell you that one's afflicted me a few times? It's like, no, Jeff, it's really you. You're actually the problem. Well, I don't think so, Lord. No, it's them. They're the ones not working hard. It's like, don't you see what I'm doing here for you, Lord? Notice what word I used? Busy for the Lord, not busy with the Lord. Busy for, not busy with. That was Martha's problem. And so Martha's words just reflect what's going on in her heart. There's a little bit of disrespect for Jesus in this. There's a lack of reverence. There's definitely some lack of submission, and there's a little bit of anger. That's what will infect you if you simply just get busy for Jesus and you don't spend time with Jesus. That's what will happen. Now, I don't need to prophesy over you with that regard. The Bible says it. It's true. I also want you to see the gentleness of Jesus. The Lord doesn't respond and get in Martha's face. Doesn't go grab her by the scruff of her tunic. What are you doing? How can you be so dense? Some of you were thinking, yeah, that's what I would have said. Yeah, that's what I would have said. The Lord doesn't walk up to Martha and go, man, why don't you get it right? What is wrong with you? Can't you see we're doing a Bible study here? You know, I've actually had people say that to me. 
Can't you see we're doing a Bible study here? Well, yeah, that's really in the spirit. I don't know what you're studying, but it ain't the Bible. You can do godly things completely in the flesh. I've had multiple people that have been in my Bible college classes that got saved after they went to Bible college because they were doing work for Jesus before they came into a relationship with Jesus. Well, it sounds like a good thing. I'll be a pastor and people will respect me. If people don't respect you before you're a pastor, I guarantee you, you got a lesson coming your way. Because they sure aren't going to respect you when you're a bad pastor, because you're no longer, in, you're not walking in the spirit, you're just in the flesh, you're just doing things for Jesus, and not being with Jesus. You see, the Lord just exposed the problem of Martha's priorities. He was not first. The work was first. And so I pray that you've been ministered to. I am in this passage. Because it reminds me of some things I need to be ready for. When, when you take time to sit at the feet of Jesus, that's what Mary of Bethany is doing. Every time we find her, by the way, in the totality of the Gospels, she's at the same place. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. And not once does the Lord chastise her. He doesn't go, well, you know, get, get in the kitchen. What's wrong with you? Do you realize there's tamales need to be made in there? <laughs> Breakfast tamales. I never knew how hard tamales were to make until we, who are white, <laughs> made tamales. God bless you who make tamales. That's work. Jesus knew it was work to be in the kitchen. Jesus knew it was work. So he's not saying, well, you know, just things will come free. Oh, he knows it's work. But he knows faith comes over food. Faith comes over death itself, as we'll see in the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Faith itself is like a perfume in your life. It will give you the fragrance of Jesus. When you put on Jesus, then that fragrance of you having sat at the feet of Jesus is what other people are going to smell coming out of your life. That's what happens. And church, this is so important for us, especially now. The world needs the fragrance of Jesus. We get that from sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's where it comes into our lives. And so we have to sit. We have to listen. We, we will sometimes have to share our woes with Jesus. Sometimes we're going to pour out our worship to Jesus. But if we'll do all those things, then what we do for Jesus will have meaning and purpose. It'll be blessed of the Lord. And so I pray that you, like I have had to learn the hard way, will find balance. 
that you'll learn to have the right amount of sitting at the feet of Jesus so that what we do with Jesus is preeminent over what we do for Jesus. That our lives speak his name, that who we are exudes from absolutely him. But people don't see us. That's why the Apostle Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live for him. You see, you can live for Jesus. And you can work for Jesus. But it flows out of you being with Jesus. That's the balance. You can't live by bread alone. You can't serve two masters. You can't be just busy for. You have to be engaged with first. And if you'll engage with him, he's going to be faithful, amen? He's, he's going to, just like we see these groups here in, in Luke's gospel, the, the ambassadors that came back, they, they, the 70, they were filled with joy. Just like that Samaritan man that we just saw, he was overjoyed, amen? And just like these sisters, they're now going to both be worshipers, it won't just be Mary, it's going to be Mary and Martha. I know she learned this lesson because we see that later in the Gospels. So let's be with Jesus, not just for Jesus. Amen. Let's be a little bit uh, of Martha and a whole bunch of Mary. Amen? Would you stand and we'll pray together. And again, if you're watching online, we have pastors online available for prayer. We have pastors at the exits that are available to pray with you. We, we want to continue to do ministry to the body of Christ. We're trying to figure out new and different ways. If you don't know the Lord, you can't be for him without being with him. The first step to being with him is acknowledging who he is and receiving him as Savior. And so I want to pray with you right now. Father, thank you. Lord, I thank you for delivering me from my Martha-ness. Lord, I am still a work in progress with that regard, and I thank you for your gentleness with me. And I pray if there's others that are struggling with doing too much for you and not enough with you, that you'd set us free from that bondage, because it is bondage, Lord. The approval of people, Lord, caring too much what others think. Lord, trying to win your affection when we already have it by grace and through faith. And I pray, Lord, we pray as a congregation, if there's any here or any watching online or who will watch this later that don't know you, that they would today admit that they're sinners, invite you, Jesus, into their life to be their Savior and start them on that journey of sanctification. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for not casting us out when we don't have it just right. And so, Lord, speak to us, encourage us, strengthen us, and send us out of this place to accomplish much for your kingdom. But would we accomplish it with the right heart so that people would know that you love them? We ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's people all said, Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.